Father, we love you, and just like earlier, we thank you for giving us your word. Father, you, you didn't have to give us your word. You didn't have to tell us who you were. You didn't have to love us. You didn't have to care for us. You didn't have to provide a way for us to be forgiven. You didn't have to do any of those things. You're God. You're the, you're the creator of all the universe. You can do anything you want, but you chose to. You chose to because of your love for us. We don't really fully understand why you love us so much, but we know from the scriptures that without a doubt you do, and we are thankful for that. Father, we're thankful that you revealed yourself to us through the written word that we can study and have a copy of, especially in this country. We, anybody who wants a copy in this country can get a copy. Father, these are the words of life. This is you. This is your revelation of yourself to us and your revelation of ourselves to us. It lets us know who you are and it lets us know who we are and how we can be reunited in relationship with you. And Father, we, we, we value that and we, we, we prize that and we thank you. And so, Father, I pray that during this service that you will guide my words and that you will open our hearts and minds and ears to be able to receive what it is that you've revealed to us in your word so that it will change us. It will change how we understand ourselves and you and that we will be able to apply it to our lives and be different because of it. We love you so much, Father. And we thank you so much for your word and we thank you so much for your son. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, we have made it to David. We really do have to rush to get through the Old Testament. Don't worry, we're not going to go through every single book. We don't have to rush that fast. But we do want to cover all the big, the big elements of the history that is told to us in the Old Testament. So David, what is the most important command that God has given us? Do you know? Let me show you, Jesus was asked that same question in Mark. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and, but I, I, I picked Mark because that's the one I memorized. Jesus was asked the same question. It says, on the, on, one of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked him, which command is the most important of all? Which command that God give us that's the most important of all? Because, I mean, if I can't get them all right, 630 or 13, 34, I can't remember, over 600 commands. If I can't get them all right, I at least want to make sure I get the most important right. So which one's most important? Jesus answered, the most important is, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is called the Shema. All Israelites would have, would have grown up knowing this Shema. It's uh, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it continued on. This is in Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. And so we're going to focus on that first part of that command today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Do you love God with all your heart. That is the question you need to make sure that you know for certain the answer to. Saul did not love God with all his heart, even though he had every reason to. 1 Samuel 13, 13 starts off by saying this, Samuel said to Saul, You have been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you, 
It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. Now let that sink in for a second. Samuel was, I mean, Saul was the first king of Israel. God told Samuel to anoint Saul. We talked about that last week, that, that the people of Israel rejected God as their king and they wanted a human ruler as their king and, they chose, and, and God chose Saul for them. And Saul was the epitome of who they would have chose. He stood a head taller than everyone else. The Bible says he was impressive. You know, you walk up to somebody and they're a head taller than you. You normally think, wow, that's impressive. Well, I do. I'm a pretty tall guy. You know, that's, he's, that's impressive. But yeah, that's what the Bible said about Saul. He was the epitome of who you wanted as a human king. Or at least he became. They thought he was going to become that. But Samuel said to Paul, Saul, after he had been serving as king for a while and rejected God's commands, he said to Saul, you've been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. But now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord commanded. Think about that. Because of Saul's actions, God said through Samuel, he would have established Saul's reign forever, his kingdom forever. But he didn't because of Saul's rejection of God's commands. Even though God knows the future, and even though God does whatever he pleases, which he does, Psalm 115.3, our God is in heaven, he does whatever he pleases, he still allows us free will. If Saul would have sought after God's heart and served him wholeheartedly, then he would have been the ancestor of Jesus instead of David. That's what God said. Our actions do impact. And this is what I want you to get from this. Our actions do impact our future and the future of those around us. They do. Now, God can achieve his ultimate goal regardless of what we do, regardless of whether we obey him, choose to follow him, or choose not to follow him. God's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish no matter what. Messiah's still going to come. Messiah's still going to die for our sins no matter what. But it didn't have to be David. It could have been Saul. God still allows us free will and to choose to do either to obey him or to rebel against him. And our actions do affect our future and the futures of others. So we come back to Mark 12:30. We must love God with all of our hearts. Every one of us. We must love God with all of our hearts. Our future will be impacted and affected by it. And the future of those who come across us in our life will be affected by it. First Samuel 16, 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, because I have selected a king from his sons. Samuel asked, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord answered, Take a young cow with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. 
You're to anoint me, you're to anoint for me the one I indicate to you. Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, Do you come in peace? In peace, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Remember what he said to Saul when he said that he rejected Saul as king because of his actions? He said that he found someone after the Lord's own heart. Remember that? He didn't say who yet, but he said he found somebody else who's after the, who goes after the Lord's own heart. And then again, he says here, when it's time for Samuel to anoint the future king of, that's going to be a son of Jesse, the oldest first son comes, who seems to be, again, impressive in stature, looks like a warrior, looks like a king, and God says, nope, I have rejected him. I can see his heart. I have chosen someone else. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. Then Jesse presented Shema, but Samuel said the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Now remember, they came to a sacrifice, okay? They were consecrated. They were prepared. They were invited by Samuel to the sacrifice. Jesse came with almost all his sons to the sacrifice with the elders of the town. But he left the youngest son to tend to the flocks and take care of the, the, the livestock back home. He didn't bring him. Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, he answered, but right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. Look back in verse 7. It said, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. God said that, said that the heart is more important than physical ability, than status, or anything else. The heart is more important than outside characteristics. God doesn't desire the most qualified person by skill, but he does desire your heart be devoted to him. When he's looking to accomplish something, he's not looking for the most talented or the most skillful. He's looking for the most devoted. This life presents no obstacles to God. None. Only the devotion of our hearts matter. He can do anything he wants with anyone he wants. And what he wants is our hearts. Mark 12.30 we must love God with all of our hearts. We must. Then it goes into uh, David's story, turns a dark corner, 
where he has an affair with Bathsheba. He murders her husband Uriah to cover it up. And then Nathan confronts him. Nathan, God sends Nathan the prophet to confront him about it. There's no doubt that uh, what he did on, on all stages in every account was just completely awful. And the question of why God didn't reject David like he rejected Saul and put somebody else on the throne immediately comes to mind. I think the answer is most clearly given in Psalm 51. See, when Saul was confronted by Samuel for his sins, Saul kept coming up with answers of why it was okay and why, he did, why what he did was okay. He kept trying to justify his sins. When David was confronted with his sins, he fell into repentance. Genuine, heartfelt repentance. Psalm 51, 1 through 19. David wrote this psalm in response to his adultery and murder. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. What did, what did David just do here in this psalm to God? What did he do? The most obvious that we all turn to is he said he asked to be forgiven, right? He begged to be forgiven. David knew that he couldn't earn it, he couldn't do it, and so he just begged God, if you do it, if you wash me, I'll be clean. If you forgive me, I'll have a clean slate. Everything will be okay if you do it. And so I'm begging you to make me right. But this is what is important. I want you to notice verse 10 and verse 12, what he specifically asked for. He said, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. What's he asking for here? He's asking to be forgiven and have a clean heart, a new heart. But he's asking for a steadfast spirit. One that's going to do what? Obey him. One that's not going to do this again. 
One that's actually going to turn from these sins. One that's going to be committed and devoted to Him. I want a spirit of devotion and obedience to you, God. And, and that's, I know I'm sinful and I know that I've fallen into this already. I need you to give me a new heart. I need you to give me a heart that's steadfast. Verse 12, two verses later, he says, Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Give me a spirit that's willing to obey you at all cost. Give me a steadfast spirit and a willing spirit. David says, I want to turn from sin. I don't want to just be forgiven of sin. I want to turn from it and follow you in obedience so that I'm never here again. So that, so that I love you and you love me and we have a close relationship and that nothing is tearing us apart like this again. I want to obey you. I want a new heart within me. David was convicted of his sins and his sinfulness without hope unless God forgave him and changed him at the soul or the spirit level. He didn't just want to be forgiven. He wanted to be faithful. We too must come to God with David's heart. Not just to be forgiven, but to be faithful, steadfast, and willing. We must love God with all of our hearts. David was a very flawed and sinful man. But when he repented of his sins, he repented from his heart. Unlike Saul. He meant it. He truly meant it. David didn't just want to be forgiven. He really wanted to change. He didn't just really want to escape judgment and punishment. He really wanted to be faithful and willing to obey God. And so we must have a heart like David's. Not just really wanting to be forgiven so that we escape the punishment that is due to us, but wanting to be changed and no longer sin against God altogether. Do you love God with all your heart? Do you want to just be forgiven so that you won't be punished for your sins but still be allowed to keep living in sin against God? Which do you want? Do you want to be forgiven and made new so that you'll be faithful and steadfast and willing to obey God? Or do you just want your sins wiped clean so that you will go to heaven when you die but still want to keep living in those sins? There's a big difference. There's, a, there's an astronomical difference. Do I just want what God will give me? Or do I want God? Do I just want to escape the consequences of my actions? Which is that the consequences of sin is death. Do I just want to escape the death that's coming my way because I've sinned? Or do I really want God? We could easily put it in a marriage scenario. It's probably the easiest to, to come up with. When you find the, the wife of your dreams or the husband of your dreams, do you want to walk down that aisle and enter into a marriage covenant, which is what God is offering to us, a covenant relationship? Do you want to marry that person just so that you can know that I'm getting a used to get a tax break. I don't know if you do anymore. 
just for the benefits of the marriage, but yet still go on and, and continue to date other people and, and have relationships with other people? Or do you truly love and desire that person? Because one, you would say, that's not a marriage. The other is. And it's the same with God. Do you really want that covenant relationship with God and forsaken everything else in the world that's trying to pull you away from Him? Or do you really want do you really want God or do you just want what He'll give you? A free pass out of hell one day. Because if you just want what He's going to give you but you don't want Him, you don't have Him. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. You can't deceive Him just like Saul couldn't. Saul tried. He tried. Samuel confronted him on his sin and Saul said, oh, no, 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 not a big deal, not a big deal. He was told to completely kill the Amalekites, Saul was. He went in, he, he didn't kill the king, and he didn't, they took a bunch of the, 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 the cattle and different things for spoil. Samuel showed up, and Saul said, oh, I did everything I was supposed to. I did everything God commanded me to do. And Samuel sarcastically said, well, what's that, what's that lowing I hear from the cattle? What's that bleeding I hear from the sheep? Why do I hear these things that you shouldn't have? And he said, oh, no, 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 we just, we just brought the best of the flock back so that we could sacrifice them to God. Uh, Saul just tried to, he knew what he did. He knew he sinned against God, but he didn't want to take responsibility for it, and he didn't have a genuine heart of love for God. But he didn't fool God either. And that's what we need to know. You can't fool God. Oh, you can fool yourself. You can deceive yourself, but you can't deceive God. Do you want Him? Or do you just want what He'll give you? That's the difference. Do you love God with all your heart? Do you love Him from your heart? Do you want a new heart? Do you want one that grows in love for Him the rest of your life? Do you want a spirit that's steadfast and willing to obey Him? Or do you really just not want him to interfere with your life? You just want to know that you're okay when you die. You want him later, just not now. God hasn't offered that. He said, I've offering, he's offering himself to you now or never. You have one life to choose. One life. And you don't know how long you'll be here. Do you love him? Nothing is more important in this life. Where is your heart? Is it in love with God? Or is it still in love with the world? Because he's in love with you. Are you in love with him? If you have never committed your life to Christ, if you have never made the decision that you want a relationship with him, not just to know that you'll be go to heaven when you die, but yet hope he doesn't interfere with the way you want to live. Do you want a relationship with him? Because it's on the table and it's free, but it's your choice. In the same way that a proposal 
Will you marry me? It's on the table and it's free, but it's a real choice. It's a real choice that you have to make. You have to make that commitment. I will be faithful to you for the rest of my life because that's all I want. And God is offering that invitation. Do you want a relationship with Him forever? If you've never made that decision, you can make it right now. You don't have to go back and do more good than you've done bad. You don't have to go back and jump through certain hoops. You don't have to go through a class. You don't have to do anything. It's available right now. God's made it available in your last moments. The thief, there's two thieves on the cross with Jesus. As they were dying, one cried out, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't come down from that cross and get baptized or go through a class or, do, or prove that he meant it any other way. God knew his heart. And God knows your heart. And he knows mine. And he knows if you mean it. Do you want him? Do you want a relationship with Him? You can have it right now. Right now. Let's close our eyes and pray together. Father, I pray that if there's a single soul in this room that has never committed to live in their life in covenant relationship with You, Father, I, I pray that nothing this world has to offer holds them back another day. Father, I pray that they see what it is that You've done for for, for them, that, that, that you came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for their sins. You took the punishment they deserved. You took the punishment we all deserve so that we could be forgiven, yet your justice and holiness not be compromised. You didn't sweep sin under the rug. You didn't go let sin go without being punished. You just took the punishment in our place instead. And as a result, you offer us a chance to be forgiven without having to be punished. And Father, nobody's loved us as much as you. Nobody's ever done such a good thing for us as you have. Father, your love overwhelms us. We would want nothing more than to spend our eternity with you, the God who created us, who designed us, who, who knit, knit us together in our mother's womb, who put our souls in our bodies. You created us to be in relationship with you forever. And so, Father, I pray that if there's a single person in this room who hasn't made that commitment, that they will make that commitment right now, that they will say to you right now, God, I love you. And I want to love you more. I want to love you better than I have. I want to be forgiven. But I don't want just to be forgiven and then you be, stay out of my life. I want you. I want a relationship with the God who made me. I want a relationship with the God who put me on this earth and gave me existence. I want you. There's no one greater than you. Father, forgive me. Father, hold me close, draw me close, and keep me from leaving you. Keep me from straying away from you the rest of my life. I love you, Father. And Father, I pray for everybody else in this room, those who have made that commitment to follow you for the rest of our lives. Father, I pray that you would give us a new heart again to keep giving us a, a better heart, 
a more willing spirit, a more steadfast spirit, a more faithful spirit, that we would follow you more faithfully for the rest of our lives and that you would cause our heart to grow in love for you the rest of our lives. We love you, Father. We can never thank you enough for your love. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name I pray. Amen. Now I do ask that if any of you have decided, you know what, I have not been faithful to God. I have not been following Him. You know, I really just thought He was, he was just something that I could, I could put in my pocket and, and have to cash in on when I die. I've never really desired a relationship with Him now. I've never really desired to follow Him and worship Him now. If you've made that decision today, I pray that you do not leave this place without letting me know. For those of us who have made that decision, I pray that you, will, you have made a decision to be more steadfast and more committed than you ever have and that you ever will be to continue the rest of your life faithful to Him because He deserves it. And this life is not very long. This life is enormously short in light of eternity. We won't be here very long and we won't have an opportunity to share God's love with lost people very long. This is all we get. And God loves every single person on this earth just as much as he loves you and just as much as he loves me. There's no one he does not love. He desires all to come to repentance, the scripture says. All. He desires all to be saved. And he offers it freely. Let's praise him for it. Would you all stand as we have our closing song?